welcome or welcome back to the Yellow Podcast. My name is Julia and in today's episode I'm talking to one of the most influential female photographers from Iceland and we talked about the hidden gems in Iceland, the struggle to keep a healthy work-life balance and the childhood dream of working for National Geographic. She is such an inspiring photographer, especially for you girls out there listening. And I really hope you guys enjoy this episode. So please don't forget to follow or subscribe to the Yellow Podcast. And if you happen to listen on the podcast app, please make sure to leave a five-star review. It only takes you a few seconds and it means the world to me. So hope you enjoy this episode, the Yellow Podcast, up next. here with Aza Steiners. Thank you so much, Aza, for being on the podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, I know that you're a podcast lover, so hopefully you will enjoy <laughs> being a guest here on the Yellow Podcast. Um, me and Aza actually uh, were on a trip together to Mongolia two weeks ago, a week ago, and that was the first time uh, we properly met and uh, so yeah can you please introduce yourself to the audience who you are and what you do yeah so my name is Arza um, I currently live in Iceland and here I work as a photographer and with social media I guess um, yeah I mean I basically call myself a freelance photographer and then I will also do projects based on marketing and content creation. So no month is the same, kind of. It's just, um, yeah, very, very fun, fun lifestyle, I'd say, or work. And, um, yeah, so how did you get started into this all? I think I never asked you this, so I would love to know, like, how did you start? Were you, like, a creative kid in school, or just how did you get into this lifestyle of traveling and photography um well like if i go way back then i think that photography always interested me even as a kid so i was very curious about cameras and i asked to carry around film cameras uh very young and my parents gave me a digital camera when they were just coming out to the market so very early on i showed interest but when I get dragged to the social media world was more when I was traveling a lot already. Mm-hmm. Um, I had already done longer trips abroad, like spending over a year just being on the road as a backpacker. And I had uh, worked abroad, like working as a tour guide in Turkey. And I started writing about my travels. So I had like a travel blog and Back then, the blogs were kind of more popular, or popular, I mean, social media just didn't exist. It was just blogs. So, um, so and I got a lot of questions about my travels and how, how I did them, how I could afford it. So to me, it was super interesting to start writing about the travels. And when you're running a travel blog, you also need to have interesting photos. So naturally, I was photographing a lot. And then Instagram comes along. And then I kind of slowly transition into 
more of the social media world and gave my blog less attention. So that's mm-hmm. kind of how I got into it. And then, yeah, like I just thought it was so much fun and so much fun to travel and photograph it. So I never wanted to re- like return back to a normal job, but I still did that and uh, took a job for a social media agency. And then my day-to-day work became photography and assisting companies with marketing campaigns. And and that gave me a lot of experience. So both to like like uh, learn how companies think and um, get to know the marketing side. So sometimes I feel that I'm quite lucky that I've been on both sides, you know, both of the yeah. company side and now now I'm on the other side as a freelancer with the marketing agency would hire but um but I very quickly got sucked into this world I think yeah I think it's it's really hard especially like when you start and maybe you already have great photos but you have no idea of the like business side um and as you said you already had that kind of knowledge so definitely uh, yeah, it's a big advantage just to do that. Yeah, I mean, that helped so much. And finally, after working three years for that agency, I felt like I was ready to properly quit my job and just go fully into this. Mm-hmm. So that was really nice. Did you, um, while you were working, did you do a lot of trips around Iceland or travel at all? Or was it mainly just working? Um, no, I think I've often talked about this, like, I think this has been my most tiring years of my life. It was like two mm-hmm. years because then I was working full time for the agency and that required a lot of late working hours, like photographing events, photographing concerts. But then I personally used every single free time I had to travel around Iceland and capture photos or even go outside of Iceland, like go to Faroe Islands over the weekend. So I remember at some point over this um, like time period, my boss was not happy with me because I would show up so tired to work on Monday. <laughs> and yeah. and he would have to talk to me and be like, Osa, weekends are for resting and you need to rest. And I, I did not agree. I was like, no, free time is my time to do whatever I want. So, oh, so I really cool. tired myself out, yeah. So it's funny to look back to the time where you're really building things up, but I was just so passionate about my own thing. So I used, I used every free time, like even when the, the summer, the bright summer nights came, then sometimes I was road tripping in the middle of the night just to show up to work in the morning. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, I also had like a similar experience just that I was uh back in school back then when I started and yeah like on the weekends when my friends wanted to go out then I was like no sorry I'm going to shoot sunrise tomorrow I can't go party or whatever <laughs> I think I think you could probably re- relate to that as well yeah 100% yeah I think your social life really uh suffers under it but at the same time, I think you don't realize it as much because you're just so focused on just like what you're passionate about. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely relate to that. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so you said that this was, uh, we, t we talked about this, so you said it was really like tiring in the last uh, years, like the traveling too much. And like, I feel like people always see this as your, as a dream job, like traveling around the world, but there definitely mm -hmm. are some like negative sides that you don't see on social media or that people don't really talk about that. Could you like explain how that relates to your situation? Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it's always a little bit risky to turn something you're very passionate about into your job. And eventually everything becomes a job in the end. And, um, yeah, and I think like we both related to this, that if you just do a trip after a trip after a trip and you're working for different clients and, um, and you're running around, there's like, no time to enjoy it or properly process that you're in a different country um so and it's like and then you of course share the photos that like you know you're trying to capture these magical moments and what your audience sees is only these magical moments they don't see you sleep deprived <laughs> waking up for yeah. sunrise um I mean, like, in the end, everything becomes work. But I think what has been kind of hardest for me is just um, family and friends and then trying to explain to them maybe why you're less available. Mm -hmm. And and I think I think over time, this is something I and freelancers in general need to be a little bit careful to, to not forget work-life balance. Because as a freelancer, you need to say yes and no to jobs and then you need to have the strength to say no to a job to prioritize uh, maybe family time and friends time and I found that very hard to do in the beginning I was just like I need to say yes to everything but yeah, now too. what I'm trying to do is is like you need also to prioritize things that are almost the most important things in your life with this families and friends so so I think that's something you learn over time. And like you said before, it does affect your social life. <laughs> mm. Yeah, I, I think in the beginning, is what, uh, especially like when you are realizing that um, like that your money income is like so unequal that sometimes some months you make a lot of money and then maybe for two months you make no money. And I feel like those moments are when you go into like, kind of panic mode and you will try to squeeze out the money out of every opportunity you get and I think yeah. once you get to a point where you can um where you're just free to decide uh what projects you want to take I think that's a really nice state to to achieve but of course it takes a lot of time until you really confident to say no to something that you would love to love to do but I think you're helped or whatever like your family just comes first in, in some cases yeah yeah 100% it uh it definitely takes strength to say no and and i guess in the beginning it's probably also natural to work hard towards your goal so so yeah it's it's definitely a balance you need to find mm -hmm. do you do you think if you would start today with Instagram with like all the knowledge you had, 
you would um, like come to the same point as you are today? Or do you think it's a lot harder to start now? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good question. Like, I, I've been watching creatives that have started quite recently and have managed to do great things. So I, I think, I think, yeah, I think I could reach the same place because I, if you have, if you're like true to your own style and you have a real talent or you're passionate enough to practice so much that you reach a certain talent, then I think that everything is possible. It's, um, I've been following some young, young kids that, um, that have recently started out and are immediately just doing great things. It's almost like they pick up a camera and they're immediately so good. It's like almost like they're faster learners because I feel like the learning curve for me, it was so long, just like both in terms of photography and then in terms of pitching projects and making a sustainable living out of it. To me, that, that was a long time. Um, but then you, you're following some, yeah, some people online now that are just, they're learning so quick and maybe it's just the younger generations that seek a lot of knowledge through YouTube and so I think there's still a lot of opportunities. Yeah, I, I think that a lot of people are always so fixed on oh I need to grow my Instagram and then I can like uh I don't know, work as a full time photographer. But I mean before Instagram people were photographers and if you're really good and you have a distinct distinctive style then I think your work is like very uh like comparable to other people who have maybe more followers on Instagram which doesn't mean or doesn't make them a better photographer no exactly absolutely I definitely see filmmakers like incredible filmmakers with no following on social media that still get a lot of a lot of gigs so it's not it's not like you need to focus everything on building an audience. You can also just be like, um, do your own films or photography and then reach out to a few clients and build up client base. Like it kind of works the same, I would say. Mm -hmm. And uh, earlier you, you mentioned that um, like you, you're trying to, uh, keep and develop your own style. Uh, how would you describe your own style and do you think like what is a good thing to follow for other people who are still like tr struggling to find their own their own style like how they mm -hmm. um can work towards that yeah um yeah I, I was just doing an interview with someone who was asking about my photos and and he told me every time i look at your photos i get cold <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I mean I think my style has kind of developed around just living in Iceland and yeah. being in cold places and if you're going to be in Iceland and wait for sunrise and sunset you're not going to shoot a lot so I feel like I've kind of I really enjoy shooting in low light for example so um, usually it's like uh, low light setting uh, low in colors and and um, and I want to bring out these cold environments. I really enjoy shooting on a crazy windy, rainy day or, or a snowy day. And 
I can feel that um, I get always, I don't know, I get always more interested in fo- photographing in colder environments. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess that's just kind of how I, how I develop my style. And, and I don't know, like I've been, I, my, I spent my whole like younger years to try to escape Iceland. And I was always so interested in photographing outside of Iceland. And yeah. I challenged myself to travel to countries like Iran and Mongolia. And back then I was so interested in doing portraits. So I was always finding people to shoot. Um, and then after returning home, after months and months of travels, then, then I finally started appreciating Iceland and shooting here. And I just think that that's when I finally found something that I really enjoyed shooting. So it has kind of developed around low light and the cold climate, I would say. Mm. Would you say that um, you would take like the the place you're living in, probably one of the most beautiful countries in the world that you take it for granted and that's why you, or that you took it for granted and that's why you, preferred traveling to other places until you're like saw so many places and just realized like oh i live in this amazing place why don't i just go shoot outside yeah yeah i mean it is funny because um i i never liked iceland as a teenager and i even remember mm-hmm. i was traveling so much and i had foreign friends and they were like and you need to understand that this is before Iceland was on the map. No one was even talking mm-hmm. about Iceland and sometimes people didn't even know where the country was. And I had international friends and they wanted wanted to come and visit me and I would always reply to them like, no, dude, like there's nothing happening in Iceland. Let's meet in <laughs> Europe instead. So I would try, yeah. I was like, I th- thought that if they would come to Iceland, they would not enjoy it. Like there's nothing happening here. It's a tiny place. Um, but then, yeah, but then when I return and when I return to Iceland, this happens when I've been away for like one and a half year, then all of a sudden I'd been photographing so much outside of Iceland and I land at home. And I always remembered like driving around Reykjavik and seeing Esjan, the city mountain in the background. And the first couple of days I was just like, has that mountain always been there? Because I was like, <laughs> I've never noticed it before. Yeah. And all of a sudden I was noticing these things in Iceland and maybe it was just because my photography eye was developing or something, but all of a sudden I started to see opportunities in Iceland that I did not see before and, and started enjoying it so much because also when you've been in warmer climate countries and you maybe spend a whole day to hike to some waterfall and then in my eyes it's tiny and not interesting <laughs> while you're in Iceland and you drive for 15 minutes and you're already at these extraordinary places that hardly have a name sometimes. <laughs> so I started appreciating Iceland a lot, lot more in the last couple of years than I did mm. before. Absolutely. Mm. Yeah, for, for me, it's it's kind of the same. Like growing up in the Dolomites, I kind of always took it for gran- for granted. Because like, yeah. although I went hiking and um, I, I did take some photos back then, but I, I think I really just saw how like amazing they, they were when I really got into photography and saw like how many people actually like went crazy when I told them that I live in this area. 
and it's it's kind of such a weird thing that we we don't like see it until someone else kind of mentions it who's outside of your bubble and i think yeah. you probably feel the same uh way for yeah. iceland yeah and maybe it is also there's something in you when you're younger that you have this desire to leave your home place or like mm -hmm. something like that <laughs> but now i i have no desire to leave i'm just yeah <laughs> it's all going away <laughs> what what was like um the the first time you like left iceland like what how old are, were you um 16 probably or like my parents were always quite active on traveling though um my mom is kind of similar she was always living somewhere abroad and was working for a travel agency so she got good deals on trips so they would my parents would always travel with me a little bit but um but i am born and raised in norway so the first seven years of my life i spent in norway and speak norwegian and then when i'm six yeah Yeah, so I'm born and raised in Norway, and when I'm 16, all of my friends are getting, like, normal summer jobs, and I thought it was so boring, so I tell my dad, I want to get a summer job in Norway this summer, and can you help mm -hmm. me out? And not every parent would help their 16-year-old to, like, move abroad for a summer job, but he helped me out, and we actually picked uh, Geiranger, which is uh, quite a famous Instagram spot now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah. it's the deepest yeah it's the deepest most, most beautiful fjord of norway and we found it by just looking through a guidebook to norway and uh, then we sent some emails and asked to get a job and i got a job in house cleaning <laughs> and lived there lived there for the summer and that shaped me a lot because in that fjord i met so many backpackers from australia and new zealand and they came to norway to earn money for their next backpacking trip so oh, like really? 16 year old me yeah so 16 year old me is like listening to stories from bali and you can surf there and i was was just fascinated by these stories and i just couldn't wait to get older in order to like go and backpack myself and mm -hmm. and this is way before social media so getting it was not that instagram spot <laughs> but a very nice place Mm. Yeah, did you have a camera back then with you, or was it just uh, just properly for working? I had a camera, always, always, always. I've been documenting mm. my life probably since I was thirteen. So, um, so I had a yeah, I had a camera, and then I think when I uh, graduated from oh yeah, it's when I graduated from high school when I'm twenty. That's when mm. my family gave me my first DSLR camera. So I had quite young DSLR cameras. Um, so yeah, I have some photos from that time. And did you did you ever shoot on on film? Um, only when I was just yeah, only just the, the time before the digital came out. Yeah. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, I I feel like. Um, a lot of people are kind of like moving back into shooting film because it's just, I don't know, because with the digital, it's, it's like you have all these files and you kind of don't appreciate them as much because the other day I just found some, some film photos from, from New Zealand and I went through them and it's like, 
so much like the memories come back so much more intense than when you just look through your catalog of the photos you edited when you look yeah. at the photos you shot on a film camera that's for yeah, sure also because you just capture one moment and you just do it once and <laughs> you don't have mm -hmm. 50 photos of the same moment it's kind of not the same but i just i also just love the atmosphere in in film photos like sometimes i've tried to edit in a similar way but it just does not work yeah it's never the same no yeah sometimes you get like those those scratches or like i don't know sometimes something goes wrong with your with your mm -hmm. film camera and then i don't know it's it's so artistic and interesting because it's just part of the photo and yeah it's yeah i don't know i feel like For sure. um the digital photography makes you appreciate the places less because you i don't know you can take so many photos and when you you take like the, the film camera you take one photo and then it's like this is this one photo that's that's it you know i think that's really yeah. interesting yeah i i recently broke my film camera so i really i need to get a new one because it's just yeah it's just amazing if yeah yeah, I've often thought about it. Photography must have been so interesting, like, 50 years ago. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, even... Or yeah. more, even. Yeah, especially, like, traveling to all the all those different places. Like, for example, the trip that we did to Mongolia, it would have been so hard, like, 50 years ago. And, like, nowadays you can travel to anywhere if you know someone or if you just yeah. Google... Um, I don't know the tour company in this remote area and you can probably find someone who will take you there or someone yeah yeah exactly do you think there's still a lot of hidden places in iceland that have not been overshot or um yeah i mean yeah for sure absolutely i mean iceland is still quite a big country um and there are so many beautiful places. Um, I mean, I think one of the most hidden gems are the highlands of the country. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just endless nature that, and many of it is uh, hard to reach without having like a jeep or going on a hiking trip. Um, there's also the east fjords have very little been shot, and on the east fjords you can do ten day hiking loops that i've always dreamt about doing and the photos from that that adventures is for example incredible and then it's the uh, west fjords and the peninsula outside of west fjords which is called Hortrandir. that's also there's no road there and you can only explore that area by foot and then um and then there's iceland also has these small islands um, with some of them are full of bird life and wildlife seals and whales. Oh, wow. So I'm like, I like, at least if I compare myself, how often I've traveled around Iceland and how often I've experienced something completely new, it just, it mm -hmm. amazes me every time. Like I'm still visiting places that, that I have never experienced before. And 
and it's like places is one thing and then another thing is just enjoying it like there are many in interesting dive sites in Iceland for example and I have a diving certificate so there are a few dive spots that I that I really dream of doing or if you just enjoy ice caves or you go snowmobiling and and I think also just with the changing seasons like I like Iceland in every single season I like the winter I like the summer I like the autumn and you can also visit the same place and it it's never the same experience it's always different mm -hmm. and that I also like so I at least do not get tired of photographing this place even though there are some hot spots and and famous spots that are also really photogenic and just easy to photograph but Iceland has so much to offer and also just all the hiking opportunities like also just Laugavegur the the four day hike and Fimverhals which is a day hike there are so many things like Fimverhals is a hike that starts at Skoafoss the famous spot and then you hike it can take from 8 to 12 hours over to Thosmark which is a valley and at the beginning of the hike, you probably have 10 different waterfalls after Skoafoss. And a lot of people don't know that. So a lot of people don't know that if I walk from Skoafoss and a little bit further, I'll reach another waterfall, another and another. So, mm -hmm. so I find often that photographers, they don't give themselves the time to, for example, do that. But they would probably end up having very interesting photos if they would just give, them, give themselves the time. Mm -hmm. which is also one of my dreams so so my to-do list or my dream list for Iceland is endless so so in my point of view there are a lot of hidden places still luckily <laughs> yeah I mean I mean Iceland got so much so popular I think also because it's so easy accessible and like mm -hmm. uh, like mo most of the the waterfalls the famous waterfalls on the ring road you can literally park on the spot and you don't even have to leave your car if you don't want to. And like, I've been, I've been to Iceland four times now and like passing by or visiting those places, it's still like, for me, it's still such an experience, even though there's so many people and finding places that are like isolated or a lot le fewer people is also like, magical on such a new level because i don't know it just adds to that atmosphere of iceland being isolated yeah and yeah i really like that yeah 100 percent. and like there are so many canyons for example that usually end up with a waterfall and there are caves and and it's like i i still have friends that visit iceland regularly and Every time they come, I can show them something new. So, I mean, mm -hmm. I feel so lucky that that you can be in your home country and still experiencing things for the first time. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it is everywhere, but the thing that I find most of the time when I go to a new country, then mm -hmm. sometimes you kind of have to, you have limited time and you want to see as much as you possibly can because that's yeah. I think that's just the way we are we want to make the most out of like every like day we have there and um yeah sometimes it's just uh just uh tiring 
and um, yeah. because you just rush from one place to another and you like maybe go to the the famous spots or like f places that are easier to easier accessible that's most of the time where the more famous places is are and then mm -hmm. when you're super tired you may be not super interested in like going to hike somewhere and you don't even know what you end up finding but i mean it's yeah it's it's different when you live in a place and you have so much time yeah 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 that i really agree with and and i think also at least when i was a backpacker then i was very much into slow traveling so i made myself the rule that if i was visiting a country i at least spent a month and in some countries i spent two months and i just remember the feeling of being somewhere and not needing to rush through time and then that's usually when you ended up having a conversation with a local that knew about mm -hmm. the place and was like hey i know about a place but of course people don't have endless time when they're traveling and then it's very natural to to look up the hotspots that are easy accessible and are they're also famous for a reason they are beautiful you know yeah, yeah of course yeah but i, I think... really sorry what what did you say no it's just i really like slow traveling when i have the opportunity of doing that and i mean another example of that is for example living in a van like you did in new zealand then i also think that you have a lot of freedom to explore Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned that you you travel to a lot of places and you try to spend a lot of time in each uh, country you visited. What were like the top three countries that you visited? Um, I think for me it was probably Philippines because I spent two months there. I was always expanding. I just loved being there. And that's for example a place that like the more time you spend and the more the more you explore you just realize that the country has so much so much to offer mm -hmm. and then japan is another country i just i never get tired of japan and i i spent quite a long time there um just traveling with the trains i bought like a one month train pass but as a backpacker it was pretty expensive so yeah. couldn't stay yeah. too long. <laughs> but the same with Japan. I just got the feeling that it it was just so incredible, the culture and the nature. And and also their way of way of traveling is so efficient with the train system. Yeah. Um, like all the train system is connected and the trains are connected to the ferry and if you buy a train pass you get access to everything. And for me, that was also properly exploring. Like we found a bunny island, for example. It was a tropical island in Japan filled with bunnies. There's like thousands of bunnies. And there was also art islands and all sorts of hot springs. So that I really enjoyed. And then the third country for me was probably Mongolia. I When I was there as a backpacker, I, I spent one and a half months and you like you have experienced now you also cannot travel mongolia too quickly like things they yeah. just happen slowly yeah. and and even now we had a, an efficient way of traveling um when i was doing it on my own then we had to horseback ride to get places and 
and yeah but definitely these were my top three philippines japan and mongolia mm-hmm. and what about places that you still want to absolutely visit mm-hmm. um lately i think i've been very interested in visiting colder places like i really dream of going to greenland and I feel like it's kind of a scandal that I haven't gone there earlier since it's quite close. <laughs> yeah. How how long is a flight from Iceland to Greenland? Oof, I honestly don't know, but I would guess maybe three hours oh, okay. or less. Um, but I feel like I have a little bit of urgency to visit places that I feel like are going to change very rapidly now. Mm-hmm. Um, but I. I also dream of visiting Alaska and I've always dreamt of visiting Antarctica but it just feels so far away um, but what I'm also interested in that is just the thought of exploring Antarctica from a boat and same with Greenland I would love to sail in Greenland mm, yeah, um, me too. I because too. I just yeah I just feel like these places are changing too quickly and mm-hmm. it's something that I would really like to see and um, and same, I've also always had a dream of going to Africa, some some of the countries with good wildlife like Namibia, mm-hmm. and just, you know, see it, like, yeah. and I think, I think this all comes from, I don't know if I ever told you, but I always just dreamt of becoming a National Geographic photographer, and I oh, think really? that's where, yeah, I think that's where my whole interest started from, like, I remember when I was 19, I was Googling how to become a National Geographic photographer. <laughs> and and it's quite some entrance. Like, you need to have a, a university degree and mm-hmm. preferably not, not in photography. Like, they want you to be an engineer or they want oh, you to what? be like, um, yeah, like they want you to have some kind of university degree that's not related to photography. But then you need to have five five-year experience in photography and like I was always trying to tick off all these boxes when I was younger and then then my former childhood dreams were to like go to these cold environments and photograph wildlife like this has just been a wild long dream and Mm -hmm. I kind of haven't followed that dream or like pursued it because social media still gives you so many opportunities so to me that was like almost just enough or like that kind of satisfied my my need of that dream in a way Mm -hmm. you kind of are like a you're you're not working for national geographic but you're kind of your own boss and you can travel the world so i mean that's still pretty cool yeah so and for me that was almost enough like i also i also think it's it's probably not easy to be constantly on assignment and and what I've just also experienced, like um, being away from home a lot, being away from the people you love. So, but yeah, but this was for sure a very, very big dream of mine and has been like stuck in my system for years. <laughs> so, and now what is, what is next for you? Do you have any uh, projects or trips or jobs coming up? Um, Like, I've like... um try to plan a little bit of quiet times ahead so right now I'm just in Iceland and I'm very much enjoying a bit of downtime 
Um, and like I told you in Mongolia that I've been building a van lately and mm-hmm. spent the summer doing that. And now after I got back from Mongolia, I kind of continued doing that with um, trying to finish the build. And um, so, yeah, there's what's ahead of me now is just kind of relax towards Christmas and finish the van and then see what happens after that. <laughs> so the the van is almost finished, you said, right? Yeah, it's almost ready now, I would say. It's just a mm-hmm. few things that I need. I need a I need a heater. <laughs> mm-hmm. So it can take me somewhere this winter. So you're you're planning to travel around Iceland or yeah, so right now the van is in Sweden, and uh, I don't think I'm going to bring it to Iceland yet, but eventually it's going to live in Iceland. But before I do that, I would love to spend a bit of time in Europe. And um, yeah, so um, yeah, I've definitely made space for skis and a heater, so I might go on my first van trip just after Christmas and um, check out some ski resorts, maybe in the Dolomites. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Okay, so Asa, thank you so much for taking the time and talking to me. Uh, where is? Uh, can you tell us your Instagram handle so people can check out your work and follow you? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, Asa Thenars. That's my name. And yeah, thanks for having me. I um can't wait. I've listened to some of your podcasts. Um, I'm also a big podcast fan, as you know. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. Thank you so much and all the best. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me.